Hello, everyone, and welcome to Team Donico, helping pets and their people. I'm your host for today's show, Marilyn Milano. And as we often do, I'm going to be introducing our president of the board of directors, Marty Casey, who's going to talk a little bit about the upcoming interview that we have. Um, we will be hearing a conversation with the Dean of Washington State University's College of Veterinary Medicine, interviewed by Paul Casey. Uh, but first, Marty's going to chat just a little bit about that and the special relationship that that college has with Donny Coast. So, Marty, welcome. Thank you. It is always a pleasure to be here, Marilyn. And yes, today I'm excited to have this interview um, introducing everybody to Dean Dory Borgensen. And she is the relatively new, I say relatively, it's probably been a couple of years, but of the vet school at Washington State University. And we have such a special relationship with WSU and the friends are thrilled that she's, everybody's going to get to hear her today. Um, we, have, we were founded by a WSU graduate and that would be Dr. Stanko. And he is a, a dedicated Washington State University alumni. He his favorite thing to do is to go to the football games and you can always find him in the stands there, probably almost every home football game. Ah. But what I'm most excited about is that the College of Veterinary Medicine has a very unique program where they send students over on a two week rotation to Seattle. And during that two week rotation, the students work at Seattle Humane during the week. And they learn, they have the hands-on practice of uh, doing surgeries, um, spay and neuters and possibly other things that come in. So they really are able to learn. And it's just, it's, you know, what better practice is that? And it's very unique to WSU. But also part of the curriculum is that they are able to come to a Donico pet clinic and work with our clients on a Saturday. So we really rely on the students and Dr. Katie Cool to work with our clients who they are just so wonderful with. They spend a lot of time with our clients and that's for the benefit of the clients and then also the students. So WSU, they are also involved in One Health and you know we're kind of dipping our toes in that water. So it's really such a special relationship, and I'm just so pleased that everyone gets to hear from Dean Dory today. Well, that sounds fantastic. And of course, anytime we can let our listeners and supporters know a little bit more about what's going on and some of the amazing help that we are getting, uh, that's great for everyone because it, it just helps people understand the process and what is going on and how important Donico is to the community and how important uh, the Washington State University College of Veterinary Medicine is to this whole process. So Marty, thank you so much for this. We're going to take a very short break and be right back to play that conversation with Dory from the Washington State University College of Veterinary Medicine. I'm Marilyn Milano, your host of Team Donico, helping pets and their people. Don't 
Stony Co. Pet Clinic provides comprehensive care for the animals of people in need. Funded by donations and powered by volunteers, Stony Co. Pet Clinic keeps overhead to a minimum to ensure healing is at a maximum. Hi, this is Marty. Please help Team Stony Co. make a difference in the lives of pets and their people. Volunteer or donate today. Stony Co. Pet Clinic. Log on to stonyco.org. That's D O N E Y C O E dot org. Welcome back to Team Donico, helping pets and their people. And we are going to cut over to a conversation between Paul Casey and Dean Dory from the Washington State University College of Veterinary Medicine, a group that has been instrumental in helping the Donico procedures, processes, and helping helping them support um, the pets of homeless and low-income people in our community for so many years. So uh, we're just going to cut over to that right now. Washington State University is the fifth oldest vet college in the United States. Now, I have a long history with WSU, and I really didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I knew we had a renowned vet school, but I had no idea that it was Mm -hmm. the fifth oldest. So let's just start with that. We opened in 1899, mostly focused on agriculture and definitely the state of Washington, and our first class was three students. And the first building, I love this, was a shed. The cost was not to exceed $60. So um, we have come a long way from there. You know, interestingly, WSU has always been a leader in academic rigor. So we were the first one, the first vet school in the nation to require a high school diploma. And we were the first to develop a four-year curriculum. And then since then, there's been a shift that we're more allied with medicine, really, than agriculture, you know, medicine of all sorts. And so now where are we? We educate students from all over the world. We are all a part of 11 buildings, including an academic teaching hospital. We have over 190 faculty, 300 staff. We have 132 veterinary students each year, of which about 80% are women. We are ranked fourth in total research expenditures among 33 veterinary colleges in the U.S. So we have had and continue to grow. So it's come a long way since that stable in 1899 when it started. <laughs> 1899. I wonder exactly. how long the legislature yep. debated that, whether $60 was too much and <laughs> maybe you have to cover it. That's I a, know. I love that. The quote was something like, not to exceed $60. Oh, that's said. amazing. <laughs> I would have wrote a check for then. You could have had my name, you know, named after the college, yeah. the vet college then. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on, a, on a personal level, what attracted you to the uh, veterinary medicine in the first place and then your transition to WSU? So I was um, a very familiar story in veterinary medicine. I was the girl that always wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, I've had a deep connection to animals since I can remember. Um, where the owner of many animals started working at veterinary clinics when I was 13. Very deep connection to the environment and the outdoors, and then also the science. So that's kind of a pretty traditional trajectory for a lot of women in veterinary medicine right now. I grew actually to love more academic medicine. I think my commitment to science and research and leadership as well over time and then WSU has just been a great fit for me. I mean, I love the Pacific Northwest. I'm enjoying the Palouse. And the college in particular is really full of kind of hardworking, really gritty, innovative faculty and staff that really care. It's a passionful profession, and our college definitely reflects that. So I felt pretty immediately at home here. Um, our students are really amazing, and we draw on students regionally, you know, from Idaho, Utah, Montana, 
They love our program because it's focused on all species still. We don't track. We have a great teaching hospital. We actually have a lot of very innovative programs, models of care, really impactful. Um, so what I, I really realized when I first came to WSU that change was really possible and people like being here because you could still build programs. So we have a very particular culture, uh, like every university. There is a pretty incredible and increasing need for veterinarians. As you probably know very well, the human-animal bond is strong and not going away. Um, and we fill so many roles in society, right? Shelter medicine, rural medicine, food safety, biomedical research. So I think there's about four new veterinary programs in the last year or two and many more coming. You know, I just read uh, yesterday that during the pandemic, one in five people who never had a pet before actually mm -hmm. adopted a pet during that time. That's yeah. stunning to me. Yeah. It is. You know, people, kids were at home. They wanted animals, right? We all know how kids love to beg their parents for animals. And people largely thought, well, maybe this is the best time, you know, to train a dog, to be at home with an animal. Um, and, you know, it's just been our business increased remarkably over COVID, honestly, to the point where we couldn't manage that. So there's been a lot of compassion fatigue and burnout in our profession. But um, you know, the other side of that is that it really implies a bright future for people who love their animals. When you were at the yeah. um, University of California at Davis as a vet med student, you started a clinic mm -hmm. that was modeled after today, the Doni Co. Pet Clinic that's based in yeah. Seattle. And for those, of pe those yeah. who don't know the Doni Co. Pet Clinic, it's a clinic that provides free pet care for low-income and homeless people in the Seattle area. And it's been around for mm -hmm. over 35 years and was started by two WSU grads, uh, Co. and uh, Doni, together. So having mm -hmm. said all that, how does it feel for you to come full circle and to see that yeah. WSU vet med students that are volunteering now at the Doni Co. Mm -hmm. Pet Clinic in yeah. Seattle? Oh, it's just awesome. It is really funny. I came to Seattle with a friend of mine, a classmate, um, and we saw the Donico Clinic, and literally we just got to talking about it and uh, started and decided to start a clinic in Sacramento based on the same concept, um, pet care for people either low-income or experiencing homelessness operating out of loaves and fishes in Sacramento. And it's still there. It's, it's called the Mercer Clinic. It's also evolved like the Donico to be this amazing clinic still has volunteer vet students from UC Davis. And then when I came up here, one of my classmates actually is a long-term veterinarian at the Doni Code Clinic. And I just, it just is really um, wonderful, one, to see the incredible legacy that it continues and has been sustained over time. It is growing, in fact. And, you know, access to care is a real issue for us in veterinary medicine. As everyone knows, it's very expensive to take your animal to a veterinarian, even for routine care. And high-level care is even more expensive, and we don't have the same insurance system. Some animals are insured, but most are not. And so there's a lot of painful decisions for people regarding how they can and how much they can care for their, for their pets. Um, people will often do things for their pets and then you know, give up their own ability to have food or um, a place to stay that night. And so... Access to care, spectrum of care, these are new initiatives in veterinary medicine that have really will be, you know, played out in places like the Mercer Clinic and the Donico Clinic. So 
I just, I love the fact that I'm in a state that's had such a long, rich history in that. And along those lines, this is something where the UW and WSU can get along. And that is an initiative yeah. that's been <laughs> entered together called One yeah. Health. This, to me, is extremely exciting. Could you explain that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's extremely exciting to me, too. Again, it's an area where University of Washington, Washington State University work together and it's been a true collaborative partnership from the bottom to the beginning. Um, so it's an initiative where pe- in a place where people with pets can access medical and veterinary care at the same time. So we have an amazing WSU veterinarian and rotating veterinary students. They team up with a nurse practitioner from Neighbor Care Health and then University of Washington medical, nursing, social work, public health, and pharmacy students. And twice a month, they provide care to young adults experiencing homelessness and their pets. And as we know, pets can be such a lifeline and so important in the lives of these adults going through so many transitions. So, you know, one example um, that I love to talk about is that this neighbor care clinic was set up in the community before the veterinary care started. But when they thought to add veterinary care, the visits the, the young adults that would come for their own health care, their visits increased by 40%. People were far more willing to seek help for themselves if help for their pets was provided at the same time. This is a clinic where our veterinarians and our nurse practitioners practice what we call trauma-informed care, really developing continuity and commitment to care and um for, for these owners. So, for example, um, if you have a person who's undergoing substance abuse treatment, like pain medications, and their dog needs pain medications, the nurse practitioners and the veterinarians work together to make sure that what they're doing holistically cares for the pet and for the owner, decreased risk for the owner um, by not giving animals pe- uh, medication that could be a problem for their owner. So it's just a remarkable collaborative community health care initiative that has just been so successful um, in Seattle. Very exciting, and it's, uh, it's fascinating to see it grow and, and what it is really becoming. Uh, final question before I let yeah. you go, and that is the WSU College of Vet Med has a close working relationship with the Paul G. Allen School of Global Health. Literally, you are taking a trip next week to Africa with the president of the university, Kirk Schultz, and some other dignitaries because of WSU's presence in Africa in Mm -hmm. the global health area Mm -hmm. and, of course, veterinary care. Could you describe what that's about? Yeah, absolutely. So the Paul G. Allen School for Global Health is actually one of the five schools in our college. So it's not only adjacent. Those members of the faculty are are in the college ourselves. The vision for it was conceived in 2006 by some very transformative leaders. And the building and its program was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Paul G. Allen Capstone Gift, and that was dedicated in 2012. And, you know, why is that important? It's because the Allen School highlights the relationship between human health, animal health, and the health of the environment. And that is something that veterinarians, in the way they think, have known forever. And it's something that obviously is gaining traction. They're global leaders in some of the most challenging issues facing our world, so infectious disease, antibiotic resistance. And the reason the Allen School does it so well is we have programs that are sustainably based 
in East Africa, specifically Kenya and Tanzania and Guatemala, and we educate and serve locally, local factor, local faculty, local students. And our goal is to increase in-country capacity, right? So we're not taking students and faculty out of the country, training them here. So many of those students in those programs stay in the United States. We are serving locally and making sure that each of these countries is developing their own base of education and research. We have 18 PhD students currently training under two training grants in Kenya. And they have developed the most incredible model for community care and true public health. I would love to recapitulate in the United States. Um, but in the United States and in developing countries, the link between animal health and human health and physical and financial well-being are just so intricately linked. And that's the reason that global health is so often and so well-positioned in a veterinary college because of those links. The WSU is wanting to grow its international programs. They want to support the programs, especially in East Africa, with the University of Nairobi in particular, because of our deep relationships that already exist there. And we're looking at how we can grow a study abroad program for our undergraduate students, how we can grow more undergraduate programming to help sustain either areas they do not have yet or areas that we can help build strength. But President Schultz and the First Lady, Noel Schultz, will also be looking at new engagement on the undergraduate, graduate, professional areas. So it's going to be a really exciting week. Welcome back, everyone. What an informative and wonderful conversation. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. We are now going to uh, bring back Eric Crema with another episode of Celebrity Pets. So stay tuned for Eric and we'll hear what's up with our latest local celebs. I'm Marilyn Milano, your host of Team Donico, helping pets and their people. Donico Pet Clinic provides comprehensive care for the animals of people in need. Funded by donations and powered by volunteers, Donico Pet Clinic keeps overhead to a minimum to ensure healing is at a maximum. Hi, this is Marty. Please help Team Donico make a difference in the lives of pets and their people. Volunteer or donate today. Donico Pet Clinic. Log on to donico.org. That's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E. Coming up next on the show is a special feature courtesy of your friends at Team Donico. It's Celebrity Pets with Eric Crema. On today's Celebrity Pets, I'm talking with Robert Calkins, someone who has over 20 years been a volunteer dog handler for Search and Rescue in Washington State. Welcome, Robert. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. You're coming all the way from uh, Tenasket. Tenasket. Yes. Yes. Through the magic of Zoom. <laughs> love it. I love it. Well, tell us about the important work that you've been doing um, there with the search and rescue and and the and being a dog handler. Well, it's actually evolved a bit over the years um, because of some changes in technology and changes in needs. So um, years ago, we looked for a lot of lost hikers, hunters, that sort of thing. Um, now with people having things in their phone, we don't necessarily think it's a good idea to rely on your phone and your phone's battery when you go out in the wilderness, but the reality is it's changed the profile of what we do. So now kind of sadly, we spend a lot of time looking for patients with Alzheimer's, mm. uh, disease, uh, those folks, their bodies are typically in good shape. They love to walk. 
but they're unable to remember how to get home. So we spend a lot of time looking for them. And then it's also evolved, and I had no idea this was going to be the case when I got into search and rescue 20 years ago. We spent a lot of time assisting law enforcement in finding evidence at crime scenes. Wow, that is amazing work, and uh, I imagine it affects you personally, too. It, it, it does, and in a couple of ways. It's obviously very rewarding, mm-hmm. uh, but you also get to see some very sad things, or I guess are forced to see some very sad things. That, that you have to kind of deal with. And, and we as handlers are searching the search and rescue community generally beyond just the dog handlers. We know this and we support each other and it, and it ends up being a, a rewarding experience and a, and a great environment. So what makes a good search dog? Well, the dogs have the easy part, actually. The only <laughs> really three things you have to teach the dog is what odor you want them to find, okay. how to tell you they found it, And then in the case of detection dogs, like cadaver dogs, you have to teach them how much of the odor you want them to find. Are you looking for uh, what would be an entire body of a missing person? Mm -hmm. Or are we looking for a very small amount of blood in a crime scene? So that's all you have to teach the dog. All the rest of the two years that you spend becoming a certified team really is human drama. The human is the far harder half of the team to train. And I imagine uh, that takes some time. It does. Um, There are specific skills uh, that you have to learn, but the real hard part of that transition is letting the dog be the boss. We as humans tend to think we're top of the food chain and we're smarter than the dog. And the fact is the dog is the one that has the nose. So for new handlers coming in, the real hard thing is to kind of leave their ego back in the truck and go out with the dog and let the dog be the one that's in charge. That's a very hard transition for humans to make. And it's actually what takes the most time when when training a new team. That's a really interesting sort of paradigm shift looking at what it's like to work with, with animals, in this case, dogs. Dogs would be extinct if they couldn't use their nose to find, in most cases, food. Mm-hmm. Um, so they already know how to use the nose. Once we teach them what we want them to look for, and we make it worth their while, we figured out how we're going to reward the dog that makes them want to play what to them is a game. Okay. Uh, what's going to make the dog want to do that tomorrow and the next day and conceivably do it for hours on end. I've been on searches where we left the ranger station at eight in the morning and hiked back in at five in the afternoon. So keeping a dog engaged for that long um, is really all we have to do. The rest really is um, human drama. Now, are these search dogs also part of your family? Absolutely. Uh, my older dog uh, sleeps at the foot of our bed. Uh, the younger dog sleeps in a crate just because he's crate trained, and I think he prefers that. I gotcha. And what are their names? I've got Ruger and Rocco. Ruger, Ruger is a 10-year-old golden retriever. Uh, he's from a field line. He doesn't uh, look uh, like most golden retrievers. Some people think he's an Irish setter or some cross hmm. uh, uh, crossbreed. And then I've got Rocco, who is the traditional fluff ball golden retriever, and and they're very different personalities. They are each their own dog. I love it. Ruger and Rocco? Yes. <laughs> Those are great names. Uh, well, thank you so much, Robert, for your time today. And the work that you do on the volunteer for the search and rescue is, is vital. And uh, congratulations on your years of success, 20 years. It's amazing. And I'm sure that uh, you mentor others who are kind of up and coming on how to work with uh, the animals, with the dogs. That can, be the, that can be the best part. I'm kind of getting up there in years. I probably don't have many more 300-acre assignments in me. Uh, But if I can help someone else be successful, then uh, that's all the better. 
Thanks again, Robert. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, to Celebrity Pets, where you discover why the biggest celebrities in life are often our furry friends. Team Doni Co. Celebrity Pets is supported in part by Jerry and Lois Photography, where memories and dreams take flight. Learn more at jerryandlois.com. Team Doni Co. hopes you enjoyed the Celebrity Pets interview. Be sure to listen for more in our upcoming shows and log on to donico.org to learn ways to help animals in need. Doni Co. Pet Clinic provides comprehensive care for the animals of people in need. Funded by donations and powered by volunteers, Doni Co. Pet Clinic keeps overhead to a minimum to ensure healing is at a maximum. Hi, this is Marty. Please help Team Doni Co. make a difference in the lives of pets and their people. Volunteer or donate today. Doni Co. Pet Clinic. Log on to donico.org. That's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E dot org.